When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The interviews you'll hear today were recorded on June 18th and June 28th, 2023. Light the fuse. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. Uh, it's all got to do with the rabbit's foot. Please don't make me go through you. Sir, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny, and he has made you his mission. Kittredge, you've never seen me very upset. And you really think we can do this? We're going to do it. Welcome to Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Charles, how are you? I'm Drew Taylor, I should say. I should tell everyone that. I'm Drew Taylor, and I'm joined, as always, by Charles Hood. Charles, how you doing? I'm doing great, Drew. Yes, I'm super excited to be here, as always, and thrilled to be talking to Palm today, because she is incredible in this movie. Yeah, we're talking to Palm Clementief this week. For our big long interview, and she plays Paris in Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, which is exclusively in theaters right now. And what do we know about Paris, Charles? What do we know about Paris? I mean, she is working with Isai Morales' character Gabriel in the in the movie, right? I mean, that's yeah one of the one of the big bads of this installment. Obviously, we should say a new member of the Mission Impossible family. Yes. And, yeah, someone who is determined, who is deadly, and who is very well-dressed. We love her costumes. (laughs) Yes, love her costumes. They're so great. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this was a great conversation. We love Palm. We really appreciate her time with us. And, yeah, one of the highlights of the movie, for sure, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's – it's just – Really, a, a remarkable performance. It's it's really a, <laughs> something to behold. I mean, she's almost a silent movie performance. It's really cool. All right, let's get into it, and we'll be back in a bit. It's great to see you, and uh, you know, there's there's a little lore, Mission Impossible lore, with the connection to your name, Paris. You know this? Yes. Actually, at the beginning, when I got cast in the movie, you know how they work, Christopher McQuarrie and Tom, they kind of cast the actor and then kind of build the character around the actor's abilities and around conversation that we have together. And then we reshape something unique, Um, you know, so there is no name for the character. So um, Christopher McQuarrie came up with this idea of uh, me being named Paris because it was a male character in the original TV series. And the fact that I'm French, you know, it was like kind of like a, a wink to, you know, where I come from as well. <laughs> I love that. I always love that. Actually, I've done that in a different, in another movie before, you know, it was like a, a role that was supposed to be for a man and then they make it into a woman and, 
usually I'm like attracted to these roles too, you know, kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when you're cast, you know, McCory said this even at the premiere, right, that he caters the role to the performer. So what what did he tell you? Like, you're cast in this movie. It's It's Mission Impossible. We know that. But like... Did he have any kind of inkling of who you would be or what you would play or anything like that? Yes, but I, actually when I did the screen test, you know, the only thing that I knew is that I would play a villain and that I would work with uh, another villain, you know, who ended up being played by Isai Morales, uh, Gabrielle. So she kind of like works. Yeah, she works with him. But what? So what was that screen test process? Who who did you screen test with, and 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 it was who was there for it? So before the screen test, I actually had um no, but it's a, it's a funny story. I think you know I I had been training for years. You know I had been like doing stunt training and martial arts training with an amazing martial artist called Jessan Noviello, who taught me how to punch, how to kick, and how how to do boxing, and you know all these like really you know uh, physical things, but also how to do it on camera and for movies because it's a totally different thing you know because you actually have to have a lot of control and stop the kick and some stop the hit and uh before actually touching the person you know so it's like a choreography it's a dance you have in, to be in connection with the other person and um yeah it depends on where the camera is too you have to like do it differently you know so you have to be really in tune with with your movements and your control and with the other person that you do it with because everyone has a different energy as well so I learned that for years and it was one of my dreams to be in Mission Impossible. So sometimes on my schedule in my phone, instead of writing um, stunt training or martial arts training, I would write Mission Impossible. And I'm, I'm not even joking. And I told uh, Tom and McHugh that, but a long time after shooting the movie, because I didn't want to sound like a creep, you know, or like a stalker, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I was, I was trying to manifest it and it worked. And then I kept sending training videos to my agents saying, I want to do action movies. I want to do action movies. I mean, I would love to be in Mission Impossible, but, you know, I would love to do action, you know, and a revenge movie or like intense things, you know, I'm training for it and I'm getting better and I'm going to get better and, and I'm going to keep training, you know. So they kept getting videos, you know? So um, I think one day Christopher McQuarrie came to the office of the agency. We have the same agency. And he said, okay, so I want to cast a new actress for Mission Impossible. Do you know anyone who would, you know, be fit for that? And they're like, of course we have one. She keeps sending videos. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was also that's, you know, it's just kind of, um, yeah. And then, and then he wanted to, um, we had dinner together. And we had such a lovely dinner and we talked about everything. We talked about Mission Impossible, about, about life. I am, you know, we, we spent hours together, you know, and I remember going home and just like, I cried, you know, because I was so, I had such a lovely time with him and I met such a beautiful human being and such someone who's so smart and such an incredible filmmaker. And I wanted to work with him so bad, but even if I didn't work with him, I just had a great time with him and I just wanted to watch the movie that he was going to make, you know? And then a few months later, so in the meantime, I kept training. I was like, oh my God, I hope I get a screen test uh, for Mission Impossible, you know? So I kept training. I mean, I always train anyway. And even I, um, I remember getting a loaner of motorcycle, um, a motorcycle loaner because it was like, I need to do more motorcycle, you know, just in case, you know? So I had my motorcycle license <laughs> years ago anyway, but I never really had one because everyone told me it was dangerous. So I got this loaner, a huge motorcycle, and it was like, 
like riding in the roads, like in Paris, in the countryside. It was dangerous because I didn't have proper training, you know? It was like, let's go, f*** it, you know? It was like, kind of like thinking of the Mission Impossible uh, soundtrack. It was like, you know, just training, you know? And then finally, I was shooting another movie in Atlanta and my agent said, oh, they want you to fly to London to do this screen test, you know? I'm like, oh my God, amazing, you know? So I had to do um, a scene, a dialogue scene that is not actually not in the movie, but, you know, they oftentimes do that in uh, for movies, you know, kind of like a fake, fake lines, you know. And I had to, um, I had to, to show my, you know, my, you know, my level of like fighting, my fighting skills, like with the, uh, the stunt coordinator, Wade Eastwood. So I flew to London and then I do, I did the screen test with uh, Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise. And Tom was you know, giving you the lines. It was just next to the camera, you know, and it was like a close-up on me. I was so happy to be there. I mean, like, even if I didn't get the part, I was like, come on, it's just amazing, <laughs> you know? So I did the scene a few times, you know, they were like giving me uh, direction, uh, McHugh and Tom also sometimes, you know, sometimes they made me like repeat the lines and do it different ways, you know, to try to find out, you know, what the character was, you know, just play around, you know? And they also told me, you know, we cast an actor and then we kind of like build a character around the actor. You know, we don't really know what it is yet. You know, that was during the screen test. And so I did the, the scene a few times. And then at some point, yeah, they, they told me, oh, uh, I think it was Tom. I'm not sure. I think it was Tom. It was like, just do it in French. And I was like, OK. And then in my head, it was like, I never translated the lines in French. And you know, when you do a translation quickly, even if it's your first language, usually it sucks because translation, <laughs> you need to change some things for it to work, you know? So I just did it like super confident, like a villain, but it was such a bad translation. I was just, but I was, I was keeping my cool. But in the back of my head, I was like, oh my God, if a French person hears that, they're going to be like, oh my God, she's, it's so bad what she's saying in French, you know? So I hope no one ever sees this video, but I, I know it's somewhere, you know, it's going to come back up at some point. So um, that, and then I had to do a fight choreography with uh, Wade Eastwood, who's the sun coordinator for, for this movie and who's worked on the previous movies, you know, who's amazing. So I had to like hit some pads and kick and show what I could do. And then I had to rehearse something or fight choreo. And then that I had to do in front of Tom and McHugh. And, but since I had been training for years, you know, for me, it was like kind of like easy to pick up, you know, the fight choreo, you know? So I did it a few times in front of them. Not stressful at all when you do that in front of uh, Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie and you don't know them. <laughs> uh, so I did, I did it a few times and they asked me to do it different ways kind of like intense and kind of like, oh, um, you know, like really poised uh, and like so many different variations, you know? So I was like, you know, trying to give like different options to in the, the acting, you know? Because with them, it's never about just a fight choreography. It's about character. And it's why their movies are so good. And, and that's why the, the, the fight scenes are so good, you know? It's not technical, you know? It's all about giving an emotion to the audience, you know? So that's what I did. And then I flew back to the US. And then a few days later, I got a phone call from Christopher McQuarrie telling me, are you ready to come, uh, you know, to join us for Mission Impossible? And then it was just the happiest, you know? Wow. We'll be back with more from Palm Clementiev after the break. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts we got to talk about the train sequence uh because you get to drop onto the roof of a train did you actually do that was that something that you wanted to do no, um, actually, I, I really ran on top of a moving train and it was incredible because usually in movies, they don't let you do that. You know, they're so scared of the actors getting hurt. But with Tom, everything is possible. And it was so exciting and exhilarating to do that in, in real life, you know. So I remember before the take, um, I would hum, do, 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 <laughs> And then we say, action! And then I was like, yeah, let's go! And just doing, you know, running and then jump between carriages. And the, the train was moving, you know, at the, the speed that it's moving in in the movie. So it was so f-ing cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask about is your amazing outfits. Because your outfits oh, in yes. are so good. They're so great. Yeah. McCute keeps saying that people are going to dress like my character for Halloween. And I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. <laughs> Which is your favorite outfit? And did you have like input into how Paris would, would dress? Yes. Actually, for me, it was very important that the character didn't wear high heels. Because I wanted I wanted to do all my fight scenes and being having my balance and being grounded. Because when you fight, you don't wear high heels. It doesn't make sense. Or when you know you're going to fight, why would you wear high heels, you know, to look sexy? F*** that, you know? So <laughs> I was like, I want to wear things that I can really move in, you know, because I've been training hard. I just want to go for it, you know? That's first of all. And also I wanted to be able to do high kicks because I had been training that for, for years. So I wanted to have like enough movement with my clothes, you know? So we went for things that were like either like baggy pants or like a kilt, you know? So a kilt was like a cool, also a cool vibe because it, it brought something a bit punk to the character that I think the wardrobe is so different from uh, any other female character that you've seen in the franchise, you know? So it was really cool to bring an edge and something completely different, you know? And uh, I mean, Jill Taylor, the costume designer is incredible. And so it was like, you know, a collaboration between all of us, you know, really. And we did screen tests to see also how the clothes moved and, you know, how it reads on camera because an outfit tells a story as well, you know. So and for and for the Venice look, the jacket was kind of like, you know, the characters were supposed to go to a party in Venice. So we're all supposed to wear masks you know, and be like kind of like dressed up. So I thought that, that my character, since she's a rebel, you know, she wouldn't like wear something that was like too like like everyone else. She would like kind of like maybe, you know, rent something in a costume shop and be like, oh, I'm going to be like, you know, wear this 
jacket, you know, that looks kind of cool for Venice, but you know, whatever. And then for the makeup, it was actually my idea. You know, the other actors were supposed to wear masks. So I thought instead of wearing a mask, my character is a rebel. She's not going to wear a mask. She's She's going to draw a mask on her face. And actually, I did that in real life years ago. I was invited to, a, I was at a girlfriend's place having drinks. And then I was invited to a party and she says, it's a masked party. I was like, I don't have a mask. And I said, oh, I'm going to draw a mask on my face. So I, I, I took um, a black pencil, you know, like for, for makeup. And I just drew a mask on my face. So I thought that would be cool for the character to do that. But I didn't think that, you know, black mask would be cool. I thought that it would be nice to bring some light to the face because it's all nighttime, you know. And I wanted to bring something a little bit eerie, a little bit strange, you know, like a, like a pantomime, you know. Since, like, the character doesn't speak a lot, I thought that visually it would tell a story, you know? And so I was inspired by this character from the Comedia dell'Arte called Piero Lunaire. You know, it's like Piero Moonstruck Piero, I think. You know, with like, you know, he's like, he has a, a face that is covered in white and he has like something black on his uh, head like that. And he has a little teardrop and something like that, like a clown around him, you know? But he looks like kind of like cute, but a little bit sad at the same time. <laughs> By the way, my backgammon name on my app is called Cute But Deadly. And I think it kind of like represents me and the character too. Uh, <laughs> and so, and so the, the teardrop brings kind of like a melancholy to the character that I think was, um, you know, was kind of like represented her really well, you know? Yeah. Because there's a side of the character that is, you know, there's a lot of betrayal and a lot of um, uh, sadness with her too, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that's what happened. That's why I have this crazy mask on my face. And at, in the end, all the actors ended up not wearing masks. So I was the only one looking crazy like that, but it actually works with the character and it works in the scene. Yeah, it's it's like a psychological intimidation thing. Yes, or exactly. Yeah. And and also I thought it would be cool because it would look like kind of like she's wearing war war paint or she's ready ready to go to war and kind of like F- you guys, you know. Yeah. So yeah, and 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 then in the end when we do the fight, you know, it was like all dripping with sweat. So it looked, you know, it looks so different from the beginning where it looks like so. You know, it looks like a doll a little bit. And then it looks like creepy and like a monster, you know? So it was really cool to see the evolution, too. Well, you brought up the fight scene. I think Charles and I both absolutely adore that fight scene in Venice. It's so cool. And it's such a different fight that we've never really seen in any of these movies. Can you talk about what it was like shooting that? How close were you really together with that thug and and Tom? Like... (laughs) It was it was very challenging and very technical to shoot because of how narrow the alleyway was. So it was really hard to to find out how to place the camera and how to light the scene, you know. And the movements, of course, you don't have freedom with the movements, you know. So we had to be very precise. But it was amazing, you know. And you know, my problem now is like now that I did a fight with Tom, I don't know how I can top that, you know. He's like the best actor to fight in a Hollywood movie, you know, I'm kind of like, I've been spoiled now. <laughs> no, but it was amazing, you know, and you uh, you have to work on the distance and all that. People keep saying that I wanted Tom to kick me in the, in the stomach, but it's more than that. The thing is, you know, he's so skilled and he's so in control and he's so good at what he does and w- with his movement. And I had been training for such a long time that actually if you, um, 
if you have control, you can actually make a little bit of contact and, and to sell the scene even more, you know? So that's what I was asking of, you know, but I didn't want him to just kick me, you know? But the thing is like, I was squeezing my abs and it was like, just for the, for the kick, I don't want it to look fake and for you to be too far away from me. So it was like, I need a little bit of, you know, it would help me. And I think it would be, look better for the scene. But he's a, such a gentleman that it was like, what? no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that, Paul. I'm like, please do it. Kick me. <laughs> so it became funny. But, you know, it's it's more than just <laughs> kick me in the stomach. You know what I mean? <laughs> We've also asked him to kick us in the stomach. And he, he hasn't done it either. So. Yeah. Yeah. He refuses. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what about the, the chase in Rome? How much driving did you get to do? Or was there, was it, was it one of those rigs where someone's like riding on top of the car driving it and you're, or was it like a, how, how did that work? I, the thing is, in Rome, I was like trying to not have too much fun. I was just like laughing the whole time. <laughs> I mean, you can't really drive on the, on, you know, historical monument, like the Spanish steps. So there was like a lot of things that were kind of like movie magic, you know? Actually, I, I wanted to learn how to drift and how to do donuts. So I did that when I wrapped the movie. I took um, lessons in uh, in L.A. I, I went to a teacher who uh, is starting to teach me how to drift and how to do donuts. So I was doing that after the movie, actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I would love to do that more. It's fun. <laughs> uh, at the end of the movie, it feels like, you know, you're you're discovered by the by the IMF. You've kind of changed your ways a little bit. I think the evolution of the character is so beautiful. It's, you know, you see so many sides of her. And at the end, you see, you know, something that is more vulnerable. And that makes the the character so much more interesting than just one color, you know? Do you enjoy the challenge of characterization through physicality? Yeah. I mean, also there is like improvisation too, you know, when you remember the scene when I draw a heart on the window... So that was also improvised, you know, that was never like in the, the script or anything. Uh, we came to set and no, actually what I love to do when I came to set, I would, I would ask McHugh, who do I kill today? So I would ask that each time I would come to set. I was like, mm, how do I kill the person? So it was so much fun. It was like coming to like, like a playground of killing people, you know? And for this scene, he was like, so I'm not sure what's, um, how we're doing this scene today, but, you have to grab the keys from this person. I'm like, okay, cool. And so I look around. I was like, can I use the fire extinguisher? Like, can I smash his face? He's like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And then, like, we, you know, so we're, like, playing like that, you know? I feel like you maybe exercised some demons in this movie. Yes. Kind of like, yeah, some violent <laughs> tendency. Yeah. And the heart on the window was just inspired by the the extra. He was cute. I was like, oh, that would be a cute way to just get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> Psycho! (laughs) We'll be back with more from Palm Clementief after the break. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game. Headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy.
Did any of your ideas not make it in? Uh, at some point, I just wanted to draw a mustache, like just to make. I don't know. I thought it would be funny, but like it wouldn't work with the character. So I'm happy we didn't go for that. <laughs> Imagine draw a mustache and like what's what's going on? <laughs> I think that's a great idea, actually. Maybe for a next movie, I'll do that. Yes, yes. I mean, were you a fan? Of, you were a fan of the franchise before. If you put Mission Impossible in your of course diary, I remember watching the first Mission Impossible. I was in Bretagne and I was uh, I was on a vacation. I, I think I must have been like maybe eleven years old. I don't remember when when the movie came out, the first one, and I saw it on a tiny TV that that was like barely working and it was in black and white. So, you know, and the tea was kind of like, you know, like it was not working properly, (laughs) but I was blown away by the movie. And I remember how I was connected with all the characters and how, you know, the, the scene when he drops on the wire, you know, and he's like that. And, um, you know, he has like the sweat coming down and you're so stressed out for the character. I remember him being like, oh my God, this is amazing. And also there were two French actors in the movie. There was Emmanuel Béard and Jean Reno. And for me, it kind of like opened a little, like a little idea in my head that, oh, there's French actors in Hollywood movies too. Maybe I could do that at some point, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, are you the the first main French actor since those two in the franchise? No, Elias Sido, right? Yeah, Elias Sido was in it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's the only French people. I'm not sure. Well, but you're carrying on a fine tradition of French actors in these movies. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So did you keep up with the rest of the movies at all? Did you see MI2, 3, Ghost Protocol? Are you Protocol, kidding Formation? me? I so, watched I mean, like, it so you... many times. Come on. Because <laughs> we always like to ask people to, to rank their favorite Mission Impossible movies. That's always an important question for us. That's a tough one. I think this one that we're in is, I think, the best. But, um, I mean, I love the, the two movies that uh, Christopher McQuarrie directed. I think they're, like, incredible. But I always have a soft spot for the first one because it was the first one, you know? Yeah, we love that one, too. Us, too. Yeah. Us, too. It's really great. Come on, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman in the third one. It's just, pff, come on, he's incredible. Yeah. Where do you stand on Tom Cruise hairstyles in these movies? Oh. Yeah. We always ask everyone to rank the hairstyles, too. That's an important, even more important rankings. What what is your favorite? I think he looks good with any hairstyle. You know, it's just like brings. Well, we a know that. Vibe. That goes without saying. That's <laughs> what, what we're asking you is to rank them because this uh, are is you, important. Well, let, let's ask this: Are you more short hair? <laughs> it's pretty short in part one, but it's kind of longer in part two. So you kind of got the best of both worlds. But I mean, as long as he doesn't go for a man bun, I'm fine with it. I don't like man buns. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, now I really hope that he does a man bun in part two. That would be great. Imagine yeah. in the next If anyone can pull bun. it off, it's Tom. Part two is going to have a man bun for Tom, and Palm is going to have a mustache for yeah. some reason. Yeah. I'm sure he would pull off a man bun, but like, I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, he could do it. If anyone could. He has one in Magnolia, right? Yeah, he did kind of have a man bun in uh, Magnolia. It worked. Yeah. Yes, it worked for the character. He pulled it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can do it all. He can do it all. I mean... I imagine that your your kind of your tenure on Mission Impossible will be coming to an end maybe by the end of this year. That's why it's so important to like travel all around the world and promote it and share it with the with the fans and everyone, you know? We're really proud. Yeah, I mean you've been to a lot of places already. What has the response been like? And specifically what has the response been like for your character? I mean, they all love the movie. I mean, I'm obsessed with the movie too, so you know. 
they love the character too. Yeah, she's amazing. I think all the female characters are awesome in this movie, you know, and it's and they're so different, you know. Yeah, and you get to kick a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what should I kick the female characters? What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> but you did you said at the at the premiere that you just like you just like kicking ass. Yes, right? I love doing that. Yeah. Yes, okay. <laughs> okay. But my character just kicks the ass of men. I don't know. Like we'll, we'll see what happens in the, yeah, anyways. Well, I mean, do you do you have a ba- do you know where Paris came from? Did Macquarie kind of fill you in? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Well, what did, 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 did you, you come have, up with it? Yeah, did you have something I don't in know. your, in your head just, for it? You know, I'm not a method actor, so I kind of like go with my own little pump sauce, you know? So yeah. I was also, you know, I was shooting the movie during COVID time. So there's like a lot of quarantine times, a lot of alone time. So I started watching videos of birds. And then I came across this bird. Uh, you have to Google it right now. It's called Shoebill. Shoebill. Or shoe build stork, and it's crazy looking. Oh yeah, that's like <laughs> it's that's a like prehistoric a... bird, and yeah. the way it moves, it's so I don't know, it's fascinating. So I was watching videos of this bird, and I was like th- thinking that I was kind of this bird. So for me, it's like the backstory of the character. I'm this bird. She's a bird. All right, we've got this. We've got the exclusive. Yes, <laughs> there's like um, an outlet that made. I, they picked up that I said that, and they put the pictures next to each other of me and the bird. Oh my god! Please, <laughs> <laughs> you're scary. You're like the Terminator of the the Pominator. Yeah. The Pominator. The Pominator. Yes. <laughs> no, but actually, it's um, a nickname that a stuntman gave me years ago when I was shooting Old Boy. He said, "Oh, the Pominator," so it became one of my nicknames. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. We'll see you in New York in a few days. And um, yeah. In a few days already? Crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) See you soon. Thank you so much. And we're back. Charles, we love Palm, don't we? Yes, we do. Wow. That was just... So awesome. Uh, she's so great to talk to. She's so funny. Yeah. She's really, really great. And um, yeah, it was great. We saw her in Rome. So it's great to follow that up with a longer conversation. And what else do we... We're not done yet, are we, Charles? No, we're not done. Actually, yeah, speaking of Rome, we're going to go back and revisit our time in Rome because we wanted to wait a little bit. We wanted everybody to have a chance to see the movie. But there is a speech in this movie, and you know the, these Mission Impossible movies have wonderful speeches uh, from some of the the. So it's always coming from the people who are chasing after Ethan. It seems like it's the middle management bosses at the IMF and stuff like that. In this movie, Shea Wiggum, who we love, has a great speech about Ethan, where he says, "Can I can I can I pull out this quote, Drew? Is this cool? Oh, pull it out. Pull okay, it out. all right. He says he's a master of infiltration, deception, sabotage, and psych." warfare for all intents and purposes ladies and gentlemen a mind-reading shape-shifting incarnation of chaos so for your safety and the safety of those around you do not consider him secure unless you have driven a wooden stake through his open heart (laughs) we love it (laughs) which is so great so when we had talked to everybody on the red carpet in rome 
we had just seen the movie once and so we were going from memory we, we mixed up the quote a little bit but that's the quote and we we ended up talking to several people on the red carpet you're going to be very happy about who we talked to here so let's start it out uh with christopher mccory the co-writer and director and uh we'll be back to talk about it afterwards all right here we go We are shape-shifting, mind-reading agents of chaos. Correct. And there's something yes. about, what is it, the, dry, the only way you can get... Do not consider sta- him secure unless you have driven a wooden stake through his open heart. <laughs> I thought you were real clever when you wrote that one. <laughs> I thought Shay Wiggum enjoyed saying yes. it. Shay Wiggum oh, got every bit of it. It is delicious. Made a meal. He really did. You made some news <laughs> yesterday. How so? You said there are more emissions. Kind of. I, yeah, and I didn't say that. <laughs> I cl- was, clear it, amazing. was it Tom who said That's it? what's amazing. I'm uh, No, somebody asked me if this was the end of the franchise. I said, I don't know that. I don't know how this movie, even if I knew how the movie ended, I don't know that that's how the movie's going to end. We haven't made the movie yet. And so I, I don't know what happens next. And, of course, they seized on that. And Of course. You know, and then you'll notice that if you read the article, that's not what I said. That's, that's just that's what the headline is. Click okay, we just we felt we were a little hurt. We were a little injured. Do not be a little injured. There was some other clickbait I read that said something about, I'll think of it, but there was another thing where I, that, that it was definitely misattributed. They, When you read the, D, oh, the thing about we're going to crush Top Gun. It's like, we didn't say we're going to crush Top Gun. Tom and I look at each other every day and go, we've got to crush Top Gun. <laughs> you think you did it? I, what's that? You going you gonna to do it? Come and see. Uh, we'll be there a thousand times. Uh, we need a soft confirmation that you'll come on the show and it'll be longer than whatever you do with Empire. <laughs> uh, that's you're gonna need you're gonna need some sort of a retreat and a lot of food. <laughs> Are you excited about talking to us about it though? We finally Absolutely. By the time you've seen it and, and you're and and then uh, I, I'm even more excited about when you see part two and we get to go over oh. part one through the prism of part two. Ooh. It's gonna melt your brain. Charles, are we done? Is that it? Is that oh, it? No, you think more? that's it? Oh, we talked to the man himself who actually spoke this line, uh, Shea Wiggum. Uh, and he also talked to us about other stuff as well, of course. But uh, we've got uh, some time with Shea on the red carpet to ask him about this amazing quote. So uh, let's uh, let's go there. All right. Can we ask what it was like saying the most iconic line of this movie probably are you excited for people to quote that to you until you die uh tell me which one it was the shape-shifting agent of chaos <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one while screaming over the desert in, in, in an osprey with no back with the back down was uh it was as harrowing as anything i've, I've ever done you had other things to worry about than delivering that line and shape, shape-shifting blah blah Shit of a <laughs> yeah. Agent of chaos. Agent of chaos. Yes. <laughs> what did you guys think? What did you think of the film? Charles, what did you think? Oh, I loved it. It's amazing. I mean, it's such a nonstop thrill ride. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It is. I think it's incredible. Greatest, greatest train sequence ever. I think so. I think the last, yeah. like we said, the last 40 minutes of this thing, I defy any, you know, any action film to even, it doesn't come close to it. Yeah. It's that yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And you get so many great moments, too. Yeah, that's, the, yeah, oh, yeah, that's all, that's my cue, that came at the end, right at the end of trying to figure out something, we were like, how are we going to get in this party, and I go, I got an idea, <laughs> I got an idea, I don't know if this is going to fly, you know, but I got an idea. So. It's almost a purely physical performance, too, is that a challenge for you to kind of convey characterization without a lot of dialogue? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a great challenge. I like characters that don't say a lot but have a lot to say. You know, you know what I mean? I think that's kind of interesting to play. I always have a secret, and it's, it's personal. As I was telling you guys yesterday, it's personal between myself and Ethan. It's not just about showing up in a country and trying to bring him you know, in. It's got to be something more. It doesn't, I mean, it's not interesting for me. Can you tell us about your name is Briggs? This is the Mission Impossible podcast. Is there a connection? Uh, to so, sorry <laughs> to, the, to the original series. The Dan Briggs was the, the main character in the sh- in the show. I don't even know what you're talking about. Really? <laughs> I, or are you are you playing coy? I have no idea what you're talking. about. Wow! Oh, okay. Wow! Okay. Will you be back for eight? I can't believe you. Be back for eight? I can't believe. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. You're asking me questions. I'm gonna get in trouble with my boss, Tom Cruise. I, I can't. You know you can't do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank okay. you so much. So good to see you. And what else, Charles? Who else? Who else? Uh, how about Ethan Hunt himself, Tom Cruise? We talked to Tom again in Rome. On the red carpet, and uh, you br- you brought up this quote to him, so uh, we gotta gotta throw to that and uh, and hear from from the man himself, Tom Cruise. Uh, what do you think? All right, if we must, let's do it. Just wanted to ask, would you describe yourself as <laughs> as a what? As a shape shifting, mind reading agent of chaos? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you'll have to ask the studio that. <laughs> That's the studio. I think they might concur. <laughs> what are you most excited? You know, they'll be like, yes. <laughs> what are you most excited about people seeing in this one, specifically? Man, I can't wait. Look, uh, honestly, <laughs> maybe be specific, man. I can't wait for them to see everything. I really can't. I cannot wait, and I can't wait tonight to see it with the audience tonight, to see, yeah. especially a Roman audience in a Venice, when they see the, the chase scene. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Hear their responses to that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? We'll hear their responses and go like, okay. Yeah. We're going to have to tell them afterwards that we didn't, their city was safe. <laughs> we returned it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, where do you go from here? Always. There's always another always mountain. Another, <laughs> there's, there's always another mountain. Another mountain or another airplane. Always or another. another parachute, another yeah. airplane, another motorcycle. Yeah. There's yeah. always something else. Yes. Always. Well, thank you oh, so thank much you. for Thank you. Wow. What a quote and what a premiere. Yes. Wow. Yeah, amazing to talk to all these people. And we've got a little bit more from Rome. We're going to keep coming back because we just we talked to so many people in Rome and there were so many things. So we'll come back in a later episode and uh, and discuss. And, and hey, how often do we have episodes, Drew? When do they come out? Uh, let me just check my calendar real quick. Charles. Oh, whoa. You know what? We have brand new episodes of Life of Views, the official Mission Impossible podcast appearing every Tuesday, available wherever you get your podcast. You know, it's just like Ethan showing up at the Abu Dhabi airport. It, they just appear. Yeah. And they are just there, and <laughs> you can just enjoy them. Um, yep, absolutely. We also want to remind people, Charles, if I if I may, uh, you know, to, to like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you are listening to this podcast be it Apple Podcasts, be it Spotify, wherever. Just, you know. Give us a nice five-star review, you know? Yes. It, it, it helps. It helps. Anything helps. We love it. We love all of you out there. And I uh, also want to just remind people to follow us on 
Instagram and Twitter at Light the Fuse Pod. And follow us personally on Instagram and Twitter if you so choose. I am Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt. Charles, you are Charles Hood, but the O's are zeros. And, you know, if you're looking to catch up on the Mission Impossible movies, they're all streaming right now on Paramount+. Plus, and you can follow the official Mission Impossible accounts at Mission Film uh, on Twitter and Mission Impossible on Instagram. And, um, yeah, I think that's about it for this week. What Do, do we know what's going on next week? Uh, we've got plenty more people to talk to, so you're going to have uh, some amazing things coming up. So, yeah, tune in every Tuesday, of course. And, of course, go see the movie exclusively in theaters right now, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I know you're, you're lapping me on the views, Charles, but I'll... I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> yes, I've seen it four times now, I think. Or maybe is it five? I can't even, I've seen I think you've seen it five times and you're going this Yeah. Yep. You're you're go, I think you're going for a good baker's dozen. I think, I think thirteen. <laughs> Gotta see it in the premium formats while I can, you know. I know. I get it. All right. Well we'll be back next Tuesday. Thank you guys so much. Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, is produced by Charles Hood, that's me, and Drew Taylor. This episode was edited by Luke Burson, with music by Kevin Blumenfeld. Original Mission Impossible themes by Lalo Schifrin. This podcast is a production of Paramount Pictures. All rights are reserved. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. 